Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr, and I'm filling in tonight as Maud. I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chickrun on Tumblr. Eon? Hey, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Glam? Hey, this is Glam, and I am Glamophonic on Tumblr. And Lady Blade War Angel. Hello, I'm Lady Blade, uh, known as Lady Blade War Angel at Tumblr. Oh, God. I can't even remember my own address. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got two guests tonight. Yes. <laughs> and yes, this is awesome. <laughs> and we finished up Cersei's chapters in A Feast for Crows. This episode will be discussing her first chapter in A Dance with Dragons, which is one of only two chapters which feature her POV in this book. Um, as always, we talk about spoilers for the books and show uh, trigger warnings for any potential violence and rape discussions. This chapter begins with Cersei in her cell, a prisoner of the faith in the great sept of Baelor. Her only regular visitors are the three septas who bring her food and water, Unella, Moel, and Scolera. Some days, the septa Scolera reads to her from the holy books, but otherwise they will not speak with her and answer any questions. Meanwhile, she contemplates her lengthy list of those who have betrayed her. Uh, she briefly considers... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she briefly considers that jamie might belong on that list but she de- quickly dismisses the thought convinced that he will come back once he receives her letter and learns of her plight during her days as prisoner she attempts to sway the septas with threats commands appeals to mercy charm meekness bribes and prayers all to no avail so <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, this is like one of those chapters where it's like you're 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 on kind of an emotional roller coaster because this sucks. She's being kept a prisoner, and and you know, I mean, like it it's not it's not. Um, I often talk about this with Cersei. I mean, it's like Cersei does some terrible things, and you're really really angry with her. But it's like when she finally has something bad happen to her, it doesn't give you the catharsis that you wanted because you're like, well, this isn't what I wanted. No, and that. That's kind of how you feel watching her here. I mean, it's almost like watching like a rat caught in a trap or something. Yeah. I um, wanted this. I wanted this. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with Cersei in her cell at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't mind her being in this. It doesn't hurt anything to be in the cell, but it's funny how she runs. She does. She runs through this whole list of people who like she's she's pissed off at. And the funny thing about it is. They're pretty much all people that she chose to surround herself with, and then exactly. <laughs> just like yeah. completely failed. Exactly, her it's her own fault. I mean, she picked these idiots, and now she's complaining that they're idiots. Yeah, <laughs> she but... wanted them to be idiots. <laughs> That's sort of like the inherent tragedy of Cersei, though, because the stuff that happens to her is, in large part, always of her own making. You know, mm-hmm. she sets herself up for the fall, and then, of course, she falls, and then she blames everyone else for it. Oh, big time. <laughs> big time. And, you know, I thought it was so funny just because I can't stand the kettle black. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> Here's Osby Kettleblack, and, like, we know that the Faith are, like, torturing him. I shouldn't be laughing as much because they're, like, 
horrendously yeah, torturing this yeah. guy. And she's like, no, I'm still cool with it. Weakling. <laughs> she's like, that weakling. <laughs> broken beneath the lash. And it's just like, oh my God. No she sympathy. doesn't even care. Uh, she's just like, he shouldn't have broken. He should have just carried on being tortured. Oh, of course yeah. she doesn't care. <laughs> she, have, she does not care. And she does put up a fight. I mean, does anyone, and one thing I couldn't find out, and I was Googling and Googling, is there a sense of, you know, she says it's sort of countless days, and that, you know, I expect under that type of torture, it would feel like an eternity. Um, has anyone ever done a timeline of how exactly long she's in this cell? Do you know? Because I, mm. you know. Oh, nobody has, yeah. because she doesn't really know what's going on herself. Yeah. She yeah. can't see anything. Yeah, I didn't like, know she was in hear it. what's going on. Like she says that she can hear things, and that's yeah. about it. That's yeah. her only thought, like her only window to the outside world is that she can hear things. No, it sounds like she gave it yeah. a good fight in the beginning. You know, she didn't just immediately yeah. give in. No, and you know, we get a little bit of a sense of the timeline because we we know that that Randall Tarley has time to make it to uh, King's Landing, and uh, we know yeah. that Kevin has time to make it from Mary to King's Landing. So. I mean, it's probably a good bet it's at least two weeks. Okay. Yeah, because um, it's, it's been enough time for Randall Tarley to have come and gotten Marjorie from Maidenpool. And, you know, that's not a huge journey, but it's it, it's not a short journey with an army either. Mm-hmm. And then for Kevin to get there from Derry is probably mm. at least, I would think, 10-ish days. I don't know, something so, like that. So certainly for someone who's used to the lap of luxury, this is an extreme mm-hmm. change and takes a big toll quickly. <laughs> And then it's also oh, clear, yeah. you know, psychological, like, torture, how, how she talks about how they keep waking her up mm-hmm. every time she tries to go to sleep. And, you know, they wake her up and go, confess, confess, you know. That's some pretty classic, you know, messing with people's head type thing to be doing. That's how they used to deal with people in, like, that was like a medieval yeah. torture method anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Henry VIII, I think, actually had, he, he, eh, had um, Anne Boleyn and... Uh, Oh, who was the other one? He had two wives in in the Tower of London, like, accused of... Well, he had Anne Belink accused of adultery and witchcraft, and the other one, Catherine... Oh, bloody hell, I can't remember her surname. Mm. Um, She'd also committed adultery, and they would have them woken up to say, like, to tell them to confess to their adultery, and they, they would have mercy if they confessed but Anne Boleyn refused because if she confessed then her daughter could be taken out of the line of secession hmm. I, I mean I guess this is not a <laughs> this is not any kind of a, a gentle faith <laughs> no. <laughs> no very yeah. skilled in torture if you don't mind I found a passage that kind of it felt like it yes. almost mirrored um, Jamie's storyline in um, A Storm of Swords whenever he's he's pretty much he's lost his hand and I just found this passage, and it just really reminded me of Jamie slightly. Um, it says, All the prayers they had taught her as a girl came back to Xerxes in her cell, and she made up new ones as needed, calling on the mother and the maiden, and the father and the warrior, on the crone and the smith. She'd even prayed to the stranger, any god in a storm. The seven proved as deft as their earthly servants. Cersei gave them all the words that she had in her, gave them everything but tears that they will never have, she told herself. I just, it reminded me of whenever Jamie was having this horrible fever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that before, and I didn't, while I was reading it, so that's good. (laughs) I mean, this is, I think, Cersei's moment. It's like Mm -hmm. Jamie's moment in 
a storm of swords. She's yeah, pretty much no, she's, she's lost really... her power. I mean, all of her power yeah. has been taken away. Yeah, that's a really that's a really cool parallel to find. And you're right, actually. I know that I'm, I actually just had to look at it. Yeah, you're right. There is really an echo of of his. Uh, what is that, Jamie Four of Storm of Swords? Yeah, so. you totally can see. It. Yeah. And she says these things throughout this this early set, um, section of the chapter where she she kind of has these little like like one line paragraphs where she's like she hated feeling helpless, she hated mm-hmm. feeling weak. Mm-hmm. Weak, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're, it, it is it is totally reminiscent of Jamie. And for her, um, that's the lack of power seems to be the ultimate. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, to be mm-hmm. fair, Jamie has a lack of power. At the point yeah. he loses his sword hand, he thinks he's lost everything. He has yes. no power anymore. So it's kind of similar. Yeah. 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 I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing about this early section is how often she thinks of Jamie. Jamie just kind of becomes almost a touchstone where it's like, well, Jamie's going to be coming soon mm-hmm. or Jamie will be here. Like she never for so much as a moment doubts that Jamie is coming for her. And yeah, he's um, the one that burns her letter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just it's just, like it's, being it's, mean there. <laughs> It's funny though that she just—it's like she never even entertains the idea that he won't show up. She just knows he's going to come. Um, funny, funny, sad, funny, funny. I mean, you know, it's—it's it's a little both. It's just like, oh man, you yeah. misread the situation. And it's—it's it's also interesting, of course, that you know, in the vast majority of her previous chapters throughout, you know, uh, feast and everything she has been so like you know just whatever about jamie mm-hmm. for quite a while and then of course you oh, know yeah, when she needs yeah. him then suddenly she has this unerring belief in the fact that he will be there yeah desperate. because she she kind of thinks of him as her tool really but she can treat him however she wants. But as soon as she mm-hmm. needs him, he's supposed to be there for her. Mm-hmm. But I think she's not taking into account the fact that Jamie has completely changed in at this point. She's not taken that into account at all. She just thinks if she calls him, he will come. But he's changed. So she's not, you know, it's like she's not taking into account that his personality has changed because of all that he's been through. I mean, I think it's also just that she doesn't and has never really thought of him as a separate individual. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't want to be the one to say it this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so does anybody else have any other, you know, points to make about that? Very good. Um, I did think that the Septa's name sounded like venereal diseases. <laughs> yes, God. <laughs> the one. <water. laughs> Onella, Scalera, and Molele. There's certainly, I was noticed there's sort of a little pattern there. He grouped. Okay. I find it funny that Onella is kind of described as mannish and coarse, which is how people usually describe Brienne. And she's always scowling. <laughs> just, just, just kind of. I just found that kind of funny. <laughs> I thought of that when I was reading it. She, she definitely seemed to be the 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 big boss of the three. <laughs> what her rank is, they're all equal or what? She's actually one of the um the sworn. What they call the sworn? Is it the sworn? Like they have a certain amount of them that are sworn to the seven. 
like they're one of the holy oh, like she's... higher up. So Anella is kind of a higher up. Yeah, she's gonna make everybody do what she wants. <laughs> okay. And look, I'd do what she wants if I thought she was gonna beat me up, man. <laughs> oh yeah, she does say that. Cersei does mention that they're very strong. You know, she comments about how old they are and you know, all these other things about their, you know, unattractiveness, but you know, they're they're super strong. <laughs> Okay, so the next scene, pushed by her limits, um, pushed by the limits of imprisonment and sleep deprivation, Cersei decides to confess. While being escorted to the High Septon, she is informed by Sepeda Scholara that Tommen is in good health and that Marjorie ha- has been released. I think I said Marjorie. Marjorie has been released. <laughs> Leave it as Marjorie, that's perfect. Marjorie. <laughs> Oh, just like salsa, margarine and salsa go together. <laughs> Sorry. So she has been released and she is with him always. Cersei attempts to ask if Marjorie had a trial, but Septa Unella cuts the conversation short and admonishes Septa Scalera for speaking too freely. Once delivered to the High Sparrow, she confesses to having slept with Osni of Osfred and Osmond Kettleblack, as well as her cousin Lancel. The High Sparrow dismisses these as common sins and the wickedness of widows. He is more interested in what she has to say in response to the more grievous charges laid against her. Murder of the previous High Septon, murder of of her husband King Robert, and incest resulting in bastards born of adultery. Although Cersei strongly denies all charges, the High Septon tells her there must be a trial to prove her innocence. So, mm. here we are. <laughs> and this is the point where I really like the High Septon. <laughs> oh, I'm a mean person. Oh. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy watching Cersei's pain. I'm, I'm a mean person. I hate him. Oh, this guy. He's awful. This asshole. Like, the things that he says about, like, what is it? The wickedness of widows? We know the oh, wickedness yeah. of like, widows. Like, oh, he's yeah, so like, self-righteous. He really is. Oh, like, God. There, there is actually a quote that um, Tyrion actually comes up with, and he's not even... this. He's not even in Westeros. He's not even talking about the High Sparrow, but it just made sense. I think I actually emailed it to you guys when I was listening to... Um, as listening to last week's episode earlier, but it's, he basically says that, you know, he's, he's called with them, the priests that are easily corruptible. Whereas he's like the ones that like to, um, nibble sweet meats and diddle little boys. It's the ones who actually believe who cause all the trouble. Yeah. Who believe in God's cause all the trouble. So, and I just thought it was quite, um, I don't know. It kind of, Meant, made sort of a foreshadowing point to me. I don't know. It just sort of came to me when I was thinking, oh, that could just describe the High Sparrow as well because he's quite. Mm. When Tyrion's saying it, he's speaking about a red priest. But... So, so you're sort of saying you like that he does his job well in the sense that he really believes what they're, they're you know, that what he. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's it's interesting that you know you get that quote from Tyrion. But he's not even talking about the High Sparrow, but it could apply to the High Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Like it could apply to Melisandre or there are other there are a lot of characters that are quite pious. That's, yeah, devout. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, a zealot is always dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh yeah. And that is exactly what everyone involved in this revolution of the faith is. It's a total yeah. 
zealot. Oh, yeah. Um, Lancel. Lancel's so, such a hypocrite. And Cersei gave them power. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yep. yeah. She handed it to all of them. <laughs> terrible um, decisions. God. Yeah, I think going, you know, in going into the confession, you know, we kind of see that she was, uh, she's kind of expecting that, oh, you know, because there was a different conversation. And I don't know if you all remember from last week we discussed this, but I thought an interesting note was we were talking about, well, why aren't they underlining the incest more? And, mm-hmm. you know, going into this conversation, you know, she's thinking just what he had said before, oh, they just want me to confess to sleeping with these men. And he kind of lays the other things out. And, you know, one thing that he says, you know, is he's, he's glad. He says, good, you know, Lord Stannis has turned from the truth of the seven to worship a red demon, and his false faith has no place in these seven kingdoms. So that's sort of our answer as to why he lets the incest kind of, mm, it's there, but, you know, they're not going to push it because he doesn't want to give Stannis yeah. the other Well, hand. I mean, she she is still on trial for it, though. It is one of the yeah. things that she's she's going to be tried for is the incest. Um, well, it's interesting because you, you get kind of a, a juxtaposition of, of what they're doing with Cersei legally um, against what they're doing with Marjorie legally. Um, it's like this, the High Septon knows or, or has, you know, good reason to believe that Marjorie is innocent because of what they've, you know, the confessions they've gotten out of, of Osme Kettleblack. But, um, well, Lancel, Lancel can't say much about Marjorie, though. But um, what he, what the High Septon knows about Marjorie doesn't mean he isn't going to charge Marjorie still and still have her go through a trial. He, he's like, well, I know she's probably innocent of this, but we're going to try her anyway. So there's kind of a sense of that with the, the crimes that are, are lodged against Cersei. And, and you kind of wonder at what point they all got together and decided just what these crimes were going to be. Because when they first arrested her, it was just about the fact that she was falsely accusing Marjorie. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's that so she's bad. just got this laundry list, which of course is nowhere near exhaustible of her actual crimes. But So, so do you, you know, think... They, they, did they think- all go, get in a bathtub like Tana and Cersei did and just discuss who would be the best one they had a bathtub scene I'm telling you the, the- oh my <laughs> gosh so, meeting. with the high septon and the three oh and Lancel and Lancel <laughs> Scalera <laughs> and Molay they, and- they burned all their brain cells away so they yeah. have nothing else to I mean so you think Cersei kind of went into this thinking that she could you know smart talk her way out of you know that she's the queen and get an easy oh yeah she probably yeah. did she probably thinks that you know some of the things she can say oh he's lying blah 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 she probably does think that because she's been queen for quite a while you know she's been queen for like 17 years or something at this point even Mm. if you like if you cut out the point where she's been queen regent as well you know but she'd been queen for 15 years before she was queen regent so you know it's been quite a while she's been queen so maybe she just sort of thinks you know she can get away with a lot of crap because she's a queen i think reason cersei tends to think that she can sort of talk her way or smarts her way out of anything she's just not smart enough though yeah yeah well yeah i mean that's what she thought was just comparing what kills me this confession would get her out of it yeah Mm -hmm. but what kills me is if she was actually nice to Tyrion, Tyrion would have gotten out gotten her out of there like with the snap of his fingers because he he is smart enough to do that whereas (laughs) well well, it's so surreal to imagine you know because it's it's just totally different you know to imagine that any kind of timeline where they were you know so hard (laughs) yeah 
Oh, the alternate timeline where, like, Cersei and Tyrion get along is a very scary one, I feel. That would be, that would yeah. be, like, it'd be a, 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 a like, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It'd be, like, semi-functional, semi-functional family. Yeah, it's, like, I feel like that would be a terrifying timeline for anyone who is a Lannister. Yeah. I mean, most of the crap that, you know, happens with them and the Lannisters falling, like, if Tyrion and Cersei weren't at each other's throats, most of this stuff would not have happened. No. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it like, even Tyrion, even poor Tyrion, he's actually said it before, you know, if Cersei had just shown him a little bit of the affection that she showed to Jamie, to their father, just a little bit, he would have done anything for that. He actually, like, you could actually quote him saying that, that he he would have... Like if she just loved him, yeah. just even as just her, just as her little brother, even she didn't want. I don't think he ever wanted her as a lover, like in in with Jamie or anything. And he didn't want to share her with Jamie or anything. He just, wanted, he just wanted a big sister, and she wouldn't give him that. She's so mean. You know, we actually got in a nod about that one time. Someone was like, "Do you think Tyrion wanted to sleep with Cersei?" <laughs> I was listening I to that one that. recently. I was listening to that. Yeah. That was an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah. I can only oh, hear it with uh, There's such a fucked up dynamic. Yeah. It's like you can't even completely rule that out because he does say he wants to rape her in this book. So you really can't even oh, rule that I out. He, it may, there may have been. I think that's more of a power play, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is power, but... That just... in wanting to sleep with her, I don't actually think he is attracted to her at all. I think well, that's just me. That's my opinion. Like other people would disagree. Yeah, I mean, at the, at, at the point that he's saying it, I think it's about uh, power. But yeah. I the hate whole thing is even talk about it because it oh. upsets me so much. But I think it's definitely a power thing. Number one and number two, it is resentment mm. for the fact that she never cared about him and she loved Jamie so much, and so it's resentment about her relationship with Jamie and. You know, that whole thing. And not that he necessarily, I think, particularly, you know, is attracted to Cersei, but that this is something that she gave Jamie, And among the many other things that she always denied him. So it's sort of like, I'm going to take everything that she ever denied me. Kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And let me never talk about that again, because I hate that. Yeah, it's so it's gross. It's so awful. disgusting. It's, it's awful, but, you know. Okay. It's so funny, too. Uh, that you know like <laughs> this is all being dredged up and, and like we'll get into it a little later in the chapter too but you know like it's just even these crimes that she's accused here are so bad like laid out in the light of day and uh, it, it, and she's kind of trying to pick her way through them and like okay well I can confess to this or this you know and it's like she she's like oh no the whole incest thing is a lie obviously <laughs> it's just Stannis trying to you know take the throne and all that stuff and it's just interesting how she doesn't even think to herself too much about the crimes that she's actually guilty of. It's like she has forgotten. Oh yeah, like a just com- really- yeah, like a compulsive liar. Yeah, like I don't she- just yeah, interesting peek into her psyche. I think I don't think she's forgotten. I think she just doesn't care at all. Yeah, like she doesn't mm-hmm. care. Cersei- she doesn't see it as crime unless it's done to her. Then it's crime. Cersei only. You know, this is the thing that's just through all of Cersei's chapters. Cersei's view of the world, her way of, of thinking of things, 
she makes reality whatever she wants it to be yeah. at any given yeah. moment. And if something, you know, like, and like you were just saying, like she sits there and she thinks of all these people and their many crimes against her and, you know, how unjust everything is and never thinks about, you know, the fact that she's guilty of all of these things that they're saying she's guilty of. It's because, you know, Cersei, I mean, she's a narcissist. So oh, yeah. everything is about how yeah. things affect her. And, you know, so you take all these note, take note, when she complains about all the crimes these people have committed against her, she she blames Orton Merriweather for taking Tane and running off. Mm-hmm. I don't think she thinks for one oh, second that Tane yeah. is probably the one that went, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. We've I, got to go now. I thought that was interesting, too, because I thought she'd get a little more mad at her, and then I noticed that she did do that. Yeah, Maybe she thought she had a real friend there. Well, Tane is her BFF. She <laughs> yeah. never... Her hobby. They together. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's so clear that Tana is the the brains in that family, yes. but uh-huh. but that's something that Cersei never really picked up on. She never really picked up on just how smart Tana is. Because you know, again, it's not about that's not about Cersei. So Cersei yeah. doesn't really care. She's not going to notice that. She just sees Tana as her little BFF toy person, and you know, that's it. So she just completely blocks out any indication that obviously Tana is the one controlling her husband and obviously Tana is, you know, interested in Cersei for very specific reasons. And so, of course, when Tana leaves and she doesn't want to accept that Tana, you know, was playing her, essentially, then, you know, she... She doesn't even consider that, though. She literally just blames her husband. Yeah, she just sort of oh, yeah, that's just how, but that's what I'm saying. That she, I, and my cat is here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aw, okay. Yeah, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, she completely, she just removes options that she doesn't like from her reality entirely. And so, you know, Tana is her loyal BFF. So, of course, Tana wasn't playing her. Of course, Tana would never abandon her, much like she convinces herself that Jamie would never abandon her. All right. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't doesn't really see, like, the people she's closest to, or she thinks she's closest to, she doesn't really see them as individuals. Nope. Not at all. They're just all part of her big uh, web. And Mm -hmm. so we move on to, let's see, the High Septon... Okay, so after this conversation, the High Septon has permitted Cersei one visitor per day. After briefly considering a request for Jamie, she chooses her uncle Kevin. She is informed that he is now Lord Regent, much to her surprise. She's moved <laughs> to a larger, more comfortable cell and is eating breakfast the next morning when Kevin arrives. Cersei sees that her uncle is not pleased and begins to ask his forgiveness for throwing a cup of wine at him. He quickly cuts her off and informs her that the true source of his anger is her relationship with Lancel, not a cup of wine to the face. Yeah, it's more because <laughs> after, after an awkward hug, he tells her to sit as he has brought some hard tidings. Her first thought goes to Tommen. But Kevin assures her that Tommen is well. And here's an interesting piece that highlights something, you know, that I think stands out for us. So next, uh, Cersei says, Jamie, then. Is it Jamie? No, Jamie is still in the Riverlands somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> she did not like the sound of that. He took Raventree and accepted Lord Blackwood's surrender, said her uncle. But on his way back to River Run, he left his tail and went off with a woman. A woman, Cersei stared at him. 
uncompetent. <laughs> what woman? Why? Where did they go? No, <laughs> no one knows. We've had no further word of him. The woman may have been the Even Star's daughter, Lady Brienne. Her. The queen remembered the maid of Tarth, a huge, ugly, shambling thing who dressed in man's mail. Jamie would never abandon me for such a creature. My raven never reached him. Elsewise, he would have come. There we go. Oh, again? Oh, she's, oh. Not, she's blaming somebody else. Oh. <laughs> oh, Brienne, she just gets all the shit. I'm like... Yeah. You know, this does make me feel like because we have this update on Jamie and Brienne right now, that they might not have even made it to the Brotherhood Without Banners right now. We might not even have, like, that Brotherhood Without Banners confrontation. And they're alive right now. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. I would imagine, I mean, if they're dead, I mean, we'd hear something about that. And that's there is a interview that um, George R. R. Martin actually did, and he did actually say that Brienne has to make a choice and that's something he is going to go into in the next book. So, yay, we get Brienne in the next book, at least at some point. But she's <laughs> got to make a choice between her honor and her heart, is what he basically said. So, basically, she's got to choose between her honor with Catelyn and keeping her word and everything, and Jamie's life, I'm assuming. But yeah, there's a lot of theories around it. And I mean, Chicky's even brought it up before we've talked about this. She's mirroring Jamie right now. I mean, Jamie had to make a choice for love and everything. He pushes Brienne out the window. This right here, Brienne is going to have to make a choice between love and her honor. Yeah. And, so. and you know, we, we get a sense here that at least, you know, if they haven't heard any word that they know and they don't know what's going on, that, that they aren't dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess, again, I guess Cersei can sort of convince herself that the raven got lost and, <sighs> you know, it's it, it's. I would, I would love to be a fly on that wall if Jamie ever does come back to King's Landing. <laughs> You're like, no, bitch, I burned that letter. <laughs> See you later. I know we got, like, I can probably just throw this comment in right now since it's relevant. Dolan Subterfuge, she sent us this comment that says, Hey guys, like Chicky, I too read the chapter for this week, even though I'm not on the show. We're dorks like that. Anyway, Cersei <laughs> clearly remembers Brienne. Do you think they met or did someone just point her out to Cersei? What do you think happened? Did Jamie make an in- introduction? Kyburn? Did Kyburn? <laughs> someone else? What do you imagine the book version of their meeting was like? <laughs> oh, I can I can actually think I imagine that Cersei wouldn't have lowered herself to go and meet Brienne. Even though like Jamie probably did turn around and say, This this woman saved my life. He probably has said that at some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in any, like probably in an offhand way. And she's probably thought, wait a second. This person's <laughs> not important. I need to find out who this is so I can get rid of them as quickly as possible. So that they're not a threat. Because as soon as like you like you can take note like when Tommen's talking about Marguerite, she becomes a threat and I kind of I don't know. I suppose it's just the way I imagine it in my head. I can imagine her thinking of Brienne not so much as a threat, but she doesn't want that extra fly in the ointment sort of thing. I think I think mm-hmm. if Brienne like actually met Cersei, Brienne would try to make herself as small as possible and not even make eye contact. Oh, oh poor Brienne. Oh, no. <laughs> I think Personally, I feel like 
I don't think in the books Cersei would think of Bran as a threat at all. I think yeah. Brienne would be almost completely beneath her notice, except in the sense that, you know, she's a big, shambling, ugly thing walking around a men's mail. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like she just never gave any thought to her at all. Because like, I don't believe for a second that Cersei, like, it's just not in Cersei's nature, I think, to feel threatened by somebody like Brienne. Well, she was threatened by Tyrion, and Tyrion's sure. not exactly good looking. But I mean, just in the but Brienne's also a woman, and I mean, Cersei's internalized misogyny runs pretty deep. So I That's feel nice. like you know, and she knows Tyrion. She knows that Tyrion is canny and you know smart. She doesn't know anything about Brienne except that she's a big ugly woman, mm-hmm. and so I feel like you know she just it. She just saved have, Jamie's life. Who saved Jamie's life? But again, she she's not going to care about that. It's like for me, it's just like oh well, whatever. You know, I, I don't think she would ever care at all about her. Like I feel like she never gave a second thought to her until the moment that Kevin is like, well, apparently Jamie ran off in you know in the woods somewhere in the Netherlands with you know Brienne of Tarth. Like I feel like she never gave her a single thought before then. Right. Well, I bet she'll be thinking about her now. <laughs> well, she'll probably think that Jamie went against his will, or why could he possibly run away with that woman? It's going to be like that. She'll, she'll, oh, yeah, totally she'll make a lot of excuses until. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Pride. I don't think she's going to be thinking about her now. Either. I think she just what just what you know you see in the scene. She's like, no, that couldn't possibly have happened. That's yeah, it. dismisses it straight away. <laughs> that couldn't possibly have happened. Yeah, I mean it's. It's incomprehensible to Cersei that mm-hmm. another woman could be a threat. I think she'd have Jamie, to see him, him making googly eyes at at Brienne to ever uh, feel threatened, and um, then it would I be. I can all... imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think it would mess too stuff. much with her image of herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for her just, to think that he could be attracted to yeah, someone like, like that, or anyone else for that matter. Yeah, like Cersei couldn't imagine. I feel Jamie being attracted to any woman but her, and especially not to someone like Brienne, like, it just, it, like, like, like it was just said, it's incomprehensible to her. Yeah. It's completely incomprehensible to her. She, she just, <sighs> yeah. Nah. I, I mean, believe it if Jamie actually came up in her face and said, look, I quote this bitch, she's my bride, you know, like, I don't even think she'd accept it if, if it was thrown right in her face. I think she would just completely just push it aside. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's just, Brienne better stay away from some wells if Cersei ever finds out. <laughs> oh, oh please. God, right? Brienne oh, could right? smack her like a twin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Brienne I've, been saying for, I've been saying for years, like, there's a reason that the Malara story includes Malara having the hots for Jamie, mm-hmm. <laughs> And, oh, like... Yeah, and if you notice, and I actually made a post on Tumblr about this one time, her dismissal of Brienne actually interfering with her relationship with Jamie is exactly the same as the way that she responds about Malara saying that she wanted to marry Jamie with Maggie oh, yeah. the Frog. Yeah, which I still think that that means that it wouldn't preclude her doing something horrible to if she ever had the chance. You know, chances are she won't, but I think if she ever did have the chance, she would think nothing of, you know, getting rid of Brienne. Like, you know, because of course... Oh, yeah. You know, even if he did say he yeah, loved her, it wouldn't mean anything. You know, she'd convince herself that, oh, it wasn't a big deal and she could just offer and, you know. But, yeah, it's, yeah. And the thing is that 
Cersei's complete inability in this moment to sort of even consider the idea that Jamie would have, you know, gone off with Brienne over saving her or whatever. Yeah. This, for me, this is like the meanest thing George ever wrote about Cersei. Like, this is just, it's so cruel to me just because she's in here, she's in the cell, she's about to be on trial, she's sitting here and she's hoping desperately that Jamie is going to come back and we already know that he has burned the letter, that he is not coming back. That he is just like washed his hands of her, and that's bad enough. But then, like the <laughs> insult to injury of actually having it reported to Cersei, yeah, he ran off with this other woman. <laughs> just like, dude. I don't think that's mean. I she's think done worse. She's cool. done worse things. Well, it's not. It doesn't. The fact that she's done worse things doesn't mean that's not cruel. Still, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, Glam. I get that is really, you know, even though, she, and it's kind of sad that she doesn't even get it. How yeah, she doesn't traumatic get it. it is. You know, that's and so hard. Course, she's just hearing that her love is with someone else. So yeah, she he, get it. George always does this with Cersei, which is that it's the, an ultimate singer. Is, but thing, <laughs> the thing is, is those Cersei is out of. She's not in that that really cramped cell right now. She's actually in a, a little bit more comfortable place at the moment. I think if she was still locked up in her cell, where before she confesses, I think you know if she got that news right then and there, it would be a lot more devastating. But right now, I think she sees a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel at this moment. She had a nice breakfast and her blood sugar. Yeah, she had a full night's sleep. <laughs> She's not happy. <laughs> blood sugars. <laughs> Okay, let's go. Okay, so we'll move on to... uh, I'm sorry, Glam. I just, like, totally interrupted you. Oh, did you have more to say, Glam? Or did you... (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, um, no, not really. Just, you know, reflecting on, you know, how George does the thing with Cersei where she, you know, she always... Her view of the world is basically almost always completely opposite to what's actually happening. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Almost in La La Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He does run her through the ringer here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sir Kevin continues on and informs her that there are cell swords hired by Stannis landing all over the South in Tarth, Stepstones, Stepstones, and Cape Wrath. He doesn't have the strength to deal with them. Mace Tyrell does, but refuses to help until Marjorie's trial has been settled. Cersei begs her uncle to get her out. Kevin replies that he cannot. He informs her that the sparrow will not release her until she has atoned for her sins with a walk. And here's her response. No, she knew what her uncle was about to say, and she did not want to hear it. Never tell him that if you speak again. I am a queen, not some dockside whore. No harm will come to you. No one will touch. No, she said more sharply. I would sooner die. Sir Kevin was unmoved. If that is your wish, you may soon have it granted. His High Holiness is resolved that you be tried for regicide, deicide, incest, and high treason. Deicide, she almost laughed. When did I kill a god? The High Septon speaks for the seven here on earth. Strike at him, and you are striking at the gods themselves. Nice. I love the way Kevin doesn't care either. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's that whole theory that Kevin helped actually formulate the idea for the walk. Um, that's a theory that's been floated with, you know, Kevin talked to the High Septon and was like, okay, what if we parade her naked through the streets? Then, well, yeah, would that the walk of shame just to make her atone so they could get her back to the Red Keep, which 
Yeah, it's such a sick and twisted. I mean, like everything, everything behind the concept of somehow redeeming a woman for some perceived sexual sin by stripping them naked and making them like parade themselves mm. in front of the populace is just so sick and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you think and, if, if Kevin was responsible that he would justify that based on his feelings about, you know, not that it's right, but his feelings about Lancel would have influenced that or I don't I mean, I think he doesn't care about Cersei and I think he has every right not to care. I mean, I should say at the point when he talked to the High Septon, yeah. it's funny because Kevin seems so easily swayed when he's in Cersei's presence to feel bad for her again and, and kind of have, you know, those... I mean, you yeah. know, it's just Uncle Uncle Nee's feelings for her. You see him have it in his own yeah. POV chapter, and you kind of sense it here. And um, I, it's like when he gave advice in feasts. You know, when when in the incident when she throws her wine in his face. You know, and he he actually before he leaves he actually has to give her the good advice at least so he knows that she <laughs> hears it before he goes. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, like misogynist society. Could Kevin have thought that this was a great idea and been the one who proposed it? I could see it happening. Sure. Well, didn't um, Tywin... I, don't, I am, there really isn't have evidence one way or mm-hmm. the other, but you can imagine that it could have happened. Mm-hmm. Didn't Tywin have that done to his father's mistress? Mistress, yeah, mm-hmm. out he did. Out in he, mm-hmm. he had all her jewelry taken, all her clothes taken, and said basically that he had her um, chased out of Lannisport naked. Mm-hmm. She wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to take anything with her. So that she would be Which is why, of course, changed. Cersei knows. Yeah, this is why Cersei knows before Kevin even gets the words out what he's talking about. Because this has happened to, of course, um, Titus Lannister's um, mistress after he died. Mm. And, it, you know, it's obviously a well-known story to the Lannisters. Um, ah, God. Um, I don't know if Kevin... I don't, I don't know. You just can't say for sure if Kevin was involved in the idea or not. I mean, like... I'm sure he had no feelings for Cersei at the time he was making the deal and was like, well, it'll keep her alive for now and may have just agreed to it. Who, who even knows? Yeah, I feel like it was probably um, just a utility thing for him. Like, okay, this was just yeah. expedient. Make, this is his most expedient way to, you know, get rid of this, this mm. problem for now. Yeah. The funny of course, thing is, however it came up, the High Septon would jump all over it. You can just uh, see how he would. I mean, it's just... It's Maybe the High Septon knows the story. I mean, we don't know where he's from. He, he might well may. Well, I think most bad. of Westeros so that story. Yeah. yeah, you might. He might be thinking, you know, oh, you know, just like ironic, ironic sort of uh, punishment, ironic penance. Yeah, probably. He probably seems like, a dude like that. Yeah, kind of seems that way to me. Yeah. Okay, and I guess to wrap it up with the conversation with Kevin, he tells Cersei that whatever the outcome, her rule is at an end. He will serve as Tommen's regent until he comes of age, and Mace Tyrell will be King's Hand. He asks her to sit again as he tells her of grave news from Dorne. Marcella was attacked by a Dornish knight named Sir Gerald Dane. He is, she is alive, but is hurt, and has lost an ear. Cersei's mind immediately fixes on Tyrion, and as she expresses her suspicions to Kevin, he argues that she sees Tyrion in every shadow. Aerys Oakheart was slain defending Marcella, and Cersei implores her uncle to have Tommen name a replacement of her choosing to the King's Guard. She tells him to go to Lord Quiburn on her behalf, bring him a white cloak, and tell him that time has come. Dun dun dun. Oh god. Oh that's, that's stuff about poor Marcella. Kind of, that poor kid, man. She's like, let's see. 
Tommen would be nine, so she's like ten because she's a year older than Tommen. So mm. wow, like a ten-year-old kid. That's so horrible. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Especially yeah. as you know what actually happened as well. It wasn't quite like you know if you like that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just, a, it didn't happen like that. But. It's some heavy, heavy stuff to hear. You know, even, you know, as much as things, you know, we could talk about Cersei. This is a lot to process all at yeah. once. Well, <laughs> and it's like you can imagine what would happen if she knew that it was because Marcella was coming to King's Landing to depose Tom. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine I if she knew that. Oh, she didn't even right, know. No, yeah. And for everybody else, it was that evil Ariane Martel. It's nothing to do with my baby. I can just imagine it in her head. Oh, for sure. Like, nothing uh, to do with her at all. Yeah, it's it's funny how this is framed too, because you get the feeling that you're you're hearing something important to the larger story, talking about Gerald Dane, mm-hmm. the infamous oh, Dark yeah. Star, and what his motives could possibly be. And Cersei's like, why would he do this? And that's, of course, what most of fandom is asking themselves, is why did he do this? <laughs> I would think he probably got paid a lot of money, but who would have paid him is beyond me. Yeah, it's, a, it it's because, a genuine mystery. I mean, he'd, he literally, to escape justice, I mean, you think, like, Doran, Prince Doran, actually punished his daughter, punished the, the other participants. So, the... Gerald Dane to actually do that attempt to kill Marcella, he'd obviously know, even if he if he succeeded, that he would be punished for it. So he'd have to flee his home to get away, so he wouldn't be punished. So there'd have to be a really good reason for him to decide to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God only knows what it is. <sighs> it's it's interesting. Well, and there's so much political stuff going on here too. Um, you know, you're hearing about the fact that the and it's funny how Kevin doesn't even know that it's the Golden Company because I'm sure he would have said that it was who are, right. who are landing all over and Fagon. in the Stormlands. <laughs> Fagon. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know, so Cersei has done this and she's nearly fractured the realm. You know, trying to take down Marjorie when there's already a bigger threat. And of course, we know there's an even bigger threat beyond this when you start talking about the others. And it's just, oh, God. The whole feeling that, like, by the time Brienne actually returns to Tarth, there's going to be no Tarth. Like, the Golden Company are there already, like, looting and everything. So, that sounds ominous. I don't think that her father will die somehow before she sees him again because he gets mentioned quite a lot. If you think about it, like like everybody knows who he is. The Evan Star's daughter they was saying about Brienne. So you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if George is doing that on purpose or not. But it seems that like he gets a lot of mentions. He does. I think. I, yeah. I, I, he does. I think so too. Yeah, I get this feeling he is going to show up eventually, but how? alive he's going to be at the time is ah, there's it. no telling I don't know if you've heard of there's a uh, theory that Selwyn Tarth is a secret Targ loyalist uh-huh. <laughs> oh god I can just and that one. I've heard that I one and it's like that. he might yeah. be okay with them coming on Tarth right now mm. no, I can yeah just, I don't I can buy just that imagine one that, yeah. like Brienne being all like why did you let me go join Renly if you're a secret Targ loyalist like <laughs> you'd be like look right I needed a cover <laughs> We needed to have extra manpower. <laughs> so okay, and, and just even though I hate talking about Game of Thrones, I have to ask: like, what do you guys think? Uh, we know that that George has 
you know, maimed Marcella in this way, one of his favorite things, which is, of course, scarring people in the face. And the more beautiful <laughs> yeah, they are, the more likely it is to happen. But do you think do you think the show just decided to kill her off not to have to deal with this convoluted and complicated storyline with a minor character? Oh, this do you is think great, George yeah. is just going to maim her and then kill her still? Like, this what do you, what do you guys question. think? This is a great question. This is a great question. Yeah, because, oh, man. Um, I know they're having her, I know they're doing Marcella's funeral, so there's no sort of chance that she survived miraculously. Oh, no, she's dead on the show. Yeah. 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 Um, God, I've you know, always thought I, she has a good chunk left. Like, a good chunk of story left. I don't know. Oh, I think she does in the books, but remember, this is a TV show. David and Dan are ruining our lives on a daily basis. Well, I kind of mean in the books, too. Like I, I And I know everybody thinks that the prophecy is going to come true and that all three of the kids will die, but I'm just like, it seems awfully cruel even for George to, like, maim this kid in the face and then still kill her, like, in the next book. I don't that know. That does That's seem just, weird. That she may not die in the next book. She may live for quite a while and then die. We don't know how long Cersei's going to live. I mean, for all we know, Cersei will be locked in a cell when Daenerys takes over. I mean, I always assumed that Marcella, or, or not assume, but I always had a sort of feeling that if one of them was going to survive, it would be Marcella. Unfortunately, I love Talman, but I didn't think it was going to be Talman. Oh, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of assumed that Shireen might survive too. <laughs> I don't know nah, that, you know. nah we're, we're, we're probably getting with Shireen Rose burning Shireen. next book. Uh, Poor Shireen. Did you have any feeling either way, Eon or Glam, about Marcella's fate in the books? Or? You know, uh, I would say <laughs> maybe nothing really happens with her story-wise. I mean, maybe she just stays in Dorne and just mm-hmm. plays with Prince Tristane. And I mean, that was pretty boring to D&D, so they killed her off. <laughs> She's on her way back, though. We know that yeah. from Marianne chapters from Wins. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I think she's going to die. I, I can't even think they're all going to die. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Carry on. I can't even begin to sort of like speculate based on <laughs> the show. First, what's happening in the book? Yeah, never <laughs> used to like, speculate. Who fucking knows? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm there. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Was anybody as disappointed by the trailer as I was? Anybody? I haven't even watched it. Yes. I watched the trailer and I just got really upset because I was like, they seem to be taking Jamie steps backwards. He's always like like going off to Cersei. We'll, we'll, we'll sort everything out. Oh, you know what? I think this is a great time to segue into. I was going to wait a little, until after mail, but we can do mail after this. But uh, Patreon, we did an impromptu live cast and... Um, it's already up, right? Correct on Patreon. I think so. I believe it was. I believe it was put on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got it, it's got to be up there, and uh, supporters should listen to it because it was fun. It was a fun. Uh, you know, we kind of just did it the night of the trailer came out, and we were like, okay, let's have. We just a- did a reaction podcast, yeah, yeah. basically, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a chat open, Good for and you kids. Yeah. So I guess then we can talk about mail. So yeah. Eon. <laughs> Well, we did get another anon question that says, "Do you think Cersei is jealous of Brienne?" And I would—I don't know if she means mm. that that anon means show Cersei, <laughs> not, or if she not in the way that you would think. Cersei. No. Yeah, nah. <laughs> I, I kind of got to agree with Chicky. I don't think she's capable. <laughs> I don't think she's capable. I don't think she's yeah. capable of being jealous of Brienne. It's just 
not in her to be jealous. She's got misguided Lannister pride. She thinks she's better than everybody already. So yeah, it's just more like a weird like refusal to accept. Yeah. <laughs> she's in denial. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got um, an email from Lady Blade, and I just wanted to say thank you for our our weekly email. We always look forward <laughs> to receiving. Thing. She loves yeah. to be on podcast while you read her stuff. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass her, so I mean, I just want to say thank you. I really like them because it, do you like while you're listening? Do you just like type a little thing as you're listening? Oh yeah, totally. I, I do awesome. my live review. I just like listen to it. I'm like yeah, I'll awesome. just type oh, this in. <laughs> Let's see. We have one from Kathy, and it says, "Chicky, don't you go to the grocery store, sing the K's on <laughs> the Enquirer like rags while I wait in the line." Is the extent of my Kardashian knowledge. Love the podcast. <laughs> I still don't know. I still don't know what it meant. <laughs> I don't understand either. Chloe Kardashian? Was it that? No, it the was one? Courtney. Instead, I'm like, I said I'm the Courtney. I don't know what it means. Maybe they could write and explain themselves. <laughs> Maybe I could ask my cousin. Really, she actually watches that Kardashian crap. <laughs> Tell me, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Torn up with insecurity. It's the rosebud of our podcast. <laughs> um, let's see. Alice in Westera says, I told y'all I was a Tumblr bumbler. I saw what I thought was Gal reblogging Chicky's post, so I thought for sure I understand the Anon said the original comment about Chicky. I'm guessing this is about Kardashians. With the voice thing. No, the voice thing. But I'm a dummy lummy on the Tumblr and just mixed it all up. I, sh- I shouldn't be allowed here, really. So, LOL, my point <laughs> still stands. I love all your voices, and especially Gal's for reals. Gal is a super-duper favorite because she did the first Mixler Q&A <laughs> and was so sweet and funny and smart, and she got feisty when I asked if she thought Stannis was still alive on the show. Apparently, she does not. Ha, ha, ha. I even love her profile pic. So please excuse my ignorance. And once again, y'all are the best. And thanks for the fun laughs. Shout out from Texas too, Eon. Aww. Aww. Thank you, Alice. Giles' voice is great. We love it. We got another email from City Ashram or Dark Wings White Walker. Um. It was a list of really awesome, well-thought-out questions, and I want to say thank you for that, because we can totally use those for future podcasts. She did say, um, this is my favorite Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I found you on iTunes, and then I had to join Tumblr just because of you guys. And here I am now, oh, a God. converted... And here I am now, a converted JP shipper. <laughs> Love the oh, show. Looking no. forward to the next I'm hundred episodes until wins of winter. Like that's terrible. I know. I'm that's, really oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm a guest. But, so I don't need to be that sorry. <laughs> but thank you, Dark Week, Dark Wings, White Walker. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about the Tumblr thing, though. <laughs> Is that it for mail? Or? Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's what I got. Okay, that was a nice bunch of mail. Um, you can send us messages and questions at close the door and at gmail.com. Close the door and come here.tumblr.com. And follow us on Twitter at door podcast. We greatly appreciate likes on, and reviews on iTunes. So do that. We need those. We like them. <laughs> and, uh, 
back on the Patreon. Please support us on Patreon, and you'll have access to things like the live cast that I mentioned. And I think that brings us to the end. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you, Glam and Lady Blade, for joining us. Oh, of course. <laughs> Love it. That's cool. I'll come back anytime. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Love you guys. And Clotho, good job moderating. <laughs> yes, you were awesome. Yeah, well done, Clotho. <laughs> Thanks. She popped her mod cherry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm not a virgin anymore. <laughs> okay, good night, everyone, and thanks for listening. Bye. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.